Hello you lovely lot, welcome back to another episode of the We Are TGF Gaming Podcast. Gamester here and I am your host. If you like what you hear, by all means hit the follow button so you never miss out when I upload next. But without further ado, I hope you enjoy this episode. Hello you lovely lot and welcome back to another episode of the We Are TGF Gaming Podcast. I am your host, my name is Gamester aka Rob and today we are talking about the differences and which ones are better when it comes to JRPGs versus RPGs. It's a very controversial topic shall we say but Before we get to all the introductions and the main bulk of today's podcast, I am going to ask you to, of course, get in touch if you have any questions, if you want to share your feedback, or even if you have a story to tell us. You can even become a guest on a future episode. The ways that you can get in contact are very easy. You can either send me an email directly by using the email wertgf at gmail.com that's wertgf or one word at gmail.com or you can simply use the audio link that is in the description of this podcast that will allow you to record your own voice into a message and then we will play it in the middle of the next podcast episode and answer your questions live as we hear it so without further ado Let's crack on with the podcast and let's get on with the introductions. The first guy needs no introduction. He has been in the TGF for quite a long time now, since the very inception of it. I am of course referring to one of the OGs and he is known as Vapor Moore. JJ, how are you doing mate? <laughs> I had a feeling something like that on? was going to happen. I, I could see it coming. <laughs> and of while. course, yes, it has. And of course, we are joined by a second guest, someone who is more recent, but he has been there now for, yeah, about six months now. I am, yeah. of course, referring to Super Micron. How the devil are you, mate? I'm doing all right. Just had some bad news, but. Nothing to be bothered right now during the podcast. Yes, I did hear. And like I say with everyone in TGF, if you ever want to get in contact with me, if you're having a rough time, there are people within the gaming family that are willing to help you. And if you want to chat at any point, DMs are always open. I love our community and I love the fact that the gaming family will always come together and band around to make people feel better and support in each other. That is just the greatest gift ever. Anyway, let's get on with today's podcast. Now, JRPGs and RPGs. I've been doing a lot of research. I have looked up many different articles on the differences between the two now for any in an uninitiated that might be out there a jrpg stands for japanese rpg and an rpg will stand for role-playing game so you've got a japanese role-playing game and a role-playing game now normally when you say rpg it's the western part of the world 
So we're talking USA and Europe. And then when you get the JRPGs, it's supposed to be just a RPG that has been made in Japan or in the eastern part of the world. But it's a lot more convoluted than that because, of course, there is different styles from the other side of the world. So, first off, I'm going to ask you, JJ, what would you say is the main differences, in your personal opinion, from a JRPG to an RPG? It, like you said, it's it's very kind of a very blurry line. Um, it, there's two ways you can look at it, logically and personal opinion. I would say logically, of course, yeah, JRPG, Japanese role-playing game. Uh, of course, Japanese, Japan. That that's kind of self-explanatory, but there's also the style. Um, like if you look back on old Disney animations, like old Disney movies that used to come out, like Beauty and the Beast, Cinderella, they all got their own style to it. And if you look at um, anime, of course, um, when you put that into a video game, it's going to have that anime... Um, feel to it i mean kind of style that um we as a western audience excuse me is not precisely used to yeah i agree so with that said uh would you mind giving the listeners a little bit of your history on because we know well i know you are a massive jrpg fan so what kind of history have you got with jrpgs uh, well, of course, like most uh, people, I got on the JRPGs because I love um, anime in general. But um, starting as a kid back in, like, I wouldn't say GameCube era, um, I couldn't tell you what the game is called. I, it's vague, but I still remember how it had um, Naruto um, animation to it. Like, it looked like Naruto because at the time, Naruto was a big anime um, so that's what drew me, drew me in and it was all turn-based and different than what I was used to with SP, FPS game or yeah, FPS games and, uh, uh, just like regular, how would you say early days? Like, uh, what would you call it? Like Mario, like uh, 3d world like games like those. Yeah. Um, so like it, platformers it was, and such. Yeah, 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 yeah. Those. Yeah, 3D platformer. Yeah. So yeah, it was it it was unique and different. And it piqued my interest because I've always had a fascination with Japanese culture, and so uh, I started playing those. But then it wasn't until recently, in the last five years, that I've really gotten into them. Be um, from my brothers who. Uh, for a while, I wasn't talking to, um, it, but then we made up, and then we he started showing me all these um, series that um, originate as JRPGs, and all the stories um, are unique. It, it was just very appealing, um, and not a typical like action-packed Call of Duty game where you know at the end of the day the good guy's gonna win, and that those sort of like predictable stories. Yeah, that would be one of the most defining differences to me, back in the early days at least, because presently it's not so much the same, but 
in early days, the story. For example, I've been playing through Dragon Quest recently, and as anyone can tell you, the story is huge. I'm 55 hours into it now, and I'm still only about 80% through the story, and I've not done any side quests or anything like that. I've been just concentrating mainly on the story, and that is it. So, when it comes to JRPGs and RPGs, I think the story is a lot lengthier. It's a lot more thoughts and creative juices have been flowing within that story in comparison to rpgs which you could class uh, grand theft auto as an rpg and yes most of the emphasis is on the story but most of the time people just like to drive around like to go exploring and doing their own thing like a sandbox almost mm-hmm. now now super you yourself, uh, you are more of an RPG fan rather than JRPGs. So, do you want to tell us what your history is with RPGs and what do you think will differentiate the two? The thing is with RPGs, I played a lot of Morrowind, Oblivion, Skyrim, Fallout series. Those yeah. are a lot of, like things that i actually think are rpgs like grand theft auto is not really for me an rpg like you don't really have the choices to make as with like fallout or skyrim that you can actually make your own choices and that drift so that changed the way the games play yeah Mm -hmm. agreed yeah so what would be the differentiating differences between the two that you can see the thing with JRPGs and RPGs is RPGs are more like you're free to roam around. It's actually not like turn-based like most RPGs, JRPGs. Like, yeah. you can just like a first-person shooter like Call of Duty, you can just press a button and you do the do the action. But with JRPGs, you actually have a turn-based counter that you can use items that you can use, that you can attack, stuff like that. Like, the feeling for me is that JRPGs are more fantasy-based, if you get what I mean. Yeah. I do, yeah. Because there's normally, when it comes to JRPGs, in the traditional sense at least, there is, well, in what I personally think is JRPGs tend to have HP, MP, and your abilities. So... When it comes to JRPGs, in my personal opinion, it's synonymous with turn-based action. But when you actually have that turn-based way of doing things, it's better to have your health points and your magic points and any kind of magic ability that you use uses your magic points. But the emphasis being, that's magic. Whereas with RPGs, you don't really get that. You can still put on buffs and bits of apparel that will buff your stats and stuff like that, but it tends to be more, I wouldn't say real life, but exaggerated real life. So, like GTA. So, that would be my personal difference. But now, what I wanted to do before we go any further is I wanted to pull up an article done by thegamer.com. They did a really, really good 
comprehensive list of six things that will tell the difference between JRPGs and RPGs. Now, I've gone over quite a few of the articles from different sites, different places, and this one was the best, in my personal opinion. I will, of course, leave a link to it for anyone who wants to check it out after the podcast. But here's what the gamer had to say. The most obvious answer to what the difference between JRPGs and RPGs is is the region that these games are developed in. A typical RPG is used to refer to a western game and or a blanket term for the genre. However, a JRPG then is anything developed in Japan, aka a Japanese role-playing game. It should be as simple as that, but of course the answer is more complex. Then it lists six things that have subtle differences and this is the bit that I found fascinating because I think they've actually nailed it. They say number one, the gameplay. Back in the day most JRPGs were turn-based while there are still some turn-based RPGs like Dragon Quest XI and Persona 5 Royal. Most Japanese companies are trying to appeal to modern times. And that is to say they are trying to mirror the Western RPGs. Final Fantasy went down this road with Final Fantasy XV and is now again with the remake of Final Fantasy VII. For Square Enix's biggest games, action will probably dominate their strategies, but turn-based will assuredly stick around in some capacity. Western RPGs have have been using turn based tactics as well, but these games are, and were, very few and far between. The next difference would be multiplayer. JRPGs rarely add multiplayer into their games. There are plenty of examples one could cite on the contrary though. The Tales series as one example and some of the Mana games have been used as well. These were more like options than full-fledged things compared to how something like Diablo used multiplayer. Next is parties. Both Western RPGs and JRPGs usually tend to have parties. That is to say that the main character is often assisted by NPCs. Where things diverge are in the numbers and the placement. The Elder Scrolls and Fallout, for example, allow for one assist member. Mass Effect allows up to two guests to join Shepard. There are plenty of examples of JRPGs that have similar constructs, but most usually have more. This is especially true in turn-based games like the Final Fantasy series. That usually ranges from 3, 4 or 5 total members. Dragon Quest XI and Persona 5 Royal allows up to 4 apiece, and both series overall have that number change. By and large, parties are just more important to the gameplay in JRPGs. Next is the story. This is hard to focus in on one definitive answer as there are so many Western and Japanese RPGs. One could say that JRPGs tend to be about saving the world, while Western RPGs use this concept as well. It might be easier to say that JRPGs use more fantasy as their settings, like you just said, Super. Like Final Fantasy VII and its tech, but that can too, 
that too can be likened to quite a few Western RPGs like Fallout. Dialogue choices. For most part, there are dialogue options in JRPGs that are just that, options. Western RPGs tend to have consequences to the dialogue choices, which can shape how a story plays out. Bioware is one of the biggest defenders of this idea. The biggest Japanese exceptions to this are the Persona series and Nia Automata. The former has players unlock stuff through optional hangouts and the latter has big ramifications on endings. These are great exceptions to the rule, but not the norm. And finally, the design choices, which is what you were talking about, Vapor. Mm -hmm. How can one tell the difference between these two RPG types? The actual easiest way is by design. Japan, because of its high culture based on anime, tends to use the ideas for RPGs. Even though gameplay and stories might be similar, one can always tell if an RPG was made in Japan just by the anime influences. That can also be true for all Japanese games for that matter. Western RPGs tend to be more realistic even in the fantastical settings like Fallout. So, what do you think? Because I think you... Talking from you, Vapor, as I said, you're a JRPG lover, whereas Super, you're an RPG lover, and you were both just given two of them points and hitting the nail right on the head. So I, I think you were bang on. What do you reckon? Yeah, I think uh, the article and both our opinions are quite accurate about both. Now, do you want to know what the funny thing is, though? The funny thing to me, personally, is I brought up a list of the best-selling RPG games and the best-selling JRPG games, and they are remarkably similar. And I mean, there's only a couple of differences. I'll just give you the top ten of the RPG games. Top ten is Pokemon which has now sold 380 million copies, Final Fantasy with 159 million, Dragon Quest, which is my personal favourite, with 82 million, Monster Hunter is 78 million, Kingdom Hearts, another fantastic game with 32 million, The Elder Scrolls, 52 million, Borderlands, 48 million, Lineage, 43 million, and The Witcher, 40 million, and then Fallout as 38 million. Now, they're all quite awesome games, I think you'll agree. But now when I move over to the JRPG list, you'll see that not many are that different. Pokemon is still in first, Final Fantasy is still in second, and Dragon Quest is still in third, followed by Monster Hunter, Kingdom Hearts. Then Souls, Tales games, Megami Tensei or Tensei, and Super Robot Wars, followed by Dragon Ball. So as you can tell, it's really, really similar. But the top four games are exactly the same. Pokemon, Final Fantasy, Dragon Quest, and Monster Hunter. And takes up a 
very large chunk of overall sales when it comes to JRPGs. Now, it would be remiss of me to not mention Dragon Quest. In my personal opinion, I first came to Dragon Quest when I was, I think, it was Dragon Quest and uh, Dragon Quest Eight: Journey of the Cursed King. And if I remember, it was Trodane or Troden. That was the king that you had to help because he had been cursed to live as a frog. Well, a toad with like a crown on his head and stuff like that. <laughs> and it, and what got me was the characters like Yangus, because none of them were speaking parts. They were all text for the story. But the way that they did the text and the names of the different areas and stuff like that was just funny. So he used to go up onto one leg every time he got scared and go, call blimey, which everybody around the world knows is synonymous with what, English used to say all the time when they were surprised so it really drew me in from there and this was shortly after playing Final Fantasy so when I came to playing Persona I was like how have I not found this game until Persona 5 why am I only hearing about this now and that is my pedigree that's what has basically been my life with JRPGs and I've absolutely adored every second of it. Vapor, what is your like top three when it comes to JRPGs for you? It's... Uh, I already it's, know what number one's going to be. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Persona 5 Royal is number one. I fucking adore that game with every inch of my soul. I'm absolutely livid to play it again when it comes out on Game Pass. But, oh, I'll um, be there with you, mate. I will yeah. be there with you playing it. Um, but for me, most of my JR- JRPGs that I play, um, other than the Fire Emblem series on the Nintendo, um, I also dabble a lot with Shimigami Tensei. Um, the the uh genre or not yeah. genre but the group because shimigami tensei is the parents of uh, like the persona series um that's the parents of the uh soul soul hacker series um and then of course they have their own video games and i know they have digital devil saga so um shimigami tensei to explain i always explain it as the adult and uh, satanic version of Pokemon. Alright, now you've got me interested because it is <laughs> one game that I've never tried. Yeah, because um, I know there... Um, I know this isn't part of the question, but um, Atlas specifically with Shimigami Tensei... A- Atlas owns Shimigami Tensei. Yeah. Um, so they own Persona and they own the Shimigami Tensei series and then every other branch of um, the Shimigami Tensei series like Persona they have which they have several um, but they all if you look at it if you've ever played a Pokemon game it's all of course turn based you have buffs and debuffs you have a party of course Yeah. Um, and you collect um, Pokemon 
um, and Shimigami Tensei, all the games that they have, um, every store is unique and different. Um, and each branch, you could think of Shimigami Tensei as the trunk, and then each store is a branch on of the tree. Um, so but it's, they like, all... it's like Yggdrasilwen. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> they set their entire game franchise up as Yggdrasil. <laughs> yeah it, it it's very it's very if you've never heard of it you'll never know it exists but once you find it you'll be surprised at why you don't know it existed and to um say that shimigami tensei is the adult version is because uh, they all have a lot more mature and dark fantasy stories compared to what you would see in pokemon where you're just trying to be the best around <laughs> yeah, and it always yeah. tends to be oh, I can't lighthearted. Remember. Yeah, it's light-eyed, and it's uh, a kid as well. Yeah, that like, you're controlling rather than a fully grown adult. Even in Final Fantasy Dragon Quest games like that, it tends to be a teenager that's coming of age, so around sixteen, seventeen, and it tends to be them growing up from a boy to a man, that kind of thing. The yeah, thing with so, Pokemon is like I do like I played Pokemon a lot in my childhood. Like I didn't even notice that it wasn't JRPG. With Pokemon it was like really great like how it was developed because I loved Pokemon when I was a child. But mm. when I tried to play stuff like Dragon Quest or Final Fantasy or even Golden Sun, like those games were really hard for me to get into because it looks so different from what Pokemon is. Yeah. Like, I Pokemon yeah, plays that, yeah. so different than, like, Final Fantasy, Golden Sun, Dragon Quest. Like, it's really weird. So what's your third choice then, Vapor? Uh, so, yeah, to, to make the whole exp explanation over with, um, my second choice would be... Because first is a Persona 5. Second is Persona 4. Golden. And then Fire Emblem Three Houses. They the are all really good choices. The only one that I haven't tried is Persona 4 myself. Now going to the opposite end of the spectrum. <laughs> super. Yes. When it comes to RPGs and not JRPGs. What are your top three games? For the absolute number one, for me, is definitely The Elder Scrolls for Oblivion. And even beats for me Skyrim. Because Oblivion is so, like, it has its own quirks. You can notice it's, like, a little bit underdeveloped in, like, the NPC part. But the story, like, the, like, the surroundings, they're so great. Like... You definitely have the feeling. It's a game from 2006, but it's so well developed that I think if it gets a remaster, it actually is a very good game to even be released in 2022. Yeah, I believe it's still to this day uh, one of the games that has had the most remasters. No, the, that's Skyrim. Skyrim actually yeah. has like legendary that's what edition. I'm it's the same... Uh, it's the, it's same, the game. same series. Yeah. No, like the other cross for Oblivion is in a whole different like time, like an age, than Skyrim. It's like the prequel to it, ain't it? Yes, it's actually like, like um, 
the Elder Scrolls the same One universe. arena. It's like it all plays in different time zones of the whole lore of the Elder Scrolls game. Okay, so what's your second choice? Um, I for me it's like Fallout Four. I played that game to death when I got it. Like for me it's like these are I enjoy it more than like New Vegas or three because I can play so like more efficient through it. I can play seamlessly through the story without really feeling like I'm slowed down. Yeah. And the mod support is awesome in that game. Like oh, yeah. any Bethesda game. The most Bethesda games to be honest. It's amazing. Yes. Okay, and what about your third choice? Mm, I think there will be Bioshock 1. Yeah. I absolutely no. adore Bioshock. Yes. That's more... I, that's exactly what we were talking about earlier. I think Bioshock series is more of... How can I put it? It's more of an RPG because it's a first-person shooter with yes. a lot of RPG elements to it. Yes, because that's also the thing with RPG. The term RPG is so so broad that you can actually... And JRPG is just an RPG. But like GTA is an RPG. Pokemon is an RPG. Like, R you can... Yeah. Undertale is an RPG, which I adore also really much. Yeah, you could even class the Soulsborne games as an RPG as well, because yes. technically it is. Even mm -hmm. like Zelda is an RPG. Yeah. Now, that's one of the subjects that I did want to go back to as well, because when it comes to RPGs, I'm wanting to... Well, JRPGs are RPGs. I want to know what you think was the birth of an RPG. Now, for me personally, it was Zelda. I think for the mainstream media to pick it up, I think that Zelda was the first time that a, well, I think you class it as a, an action RPG, hit the mainstream and everyone started going, oh my God, this is like nothing we've seen before and it is awesome. So what, Vapor, we'll go to you first. What do you think was the breakout game for JRPGs? Let me answer with a question. When you say Zelda, are you pertaining to more like 3D World? Or are you talking about more of the um, old school, over the head? Oh, no, I'm talking crime? about the... Eight 8-bit version, the very first one, which was top-down. I think it was released okay. initially. It was either on the Game Boy or the Nintendo. I cannot remember off the top um, of my head. The first Zelda game was released on the NES. Yeah. I would ag I, I would agree with you, um, mostly because um, I feel like a lot of people believe RPGs are more like 3D world, um, exploring, doing all the quests, but no one or a lot of people forget what RPG stands for, and it doesn't have to be an open world, um, like Skyrim to be an RPG. It could be the very um, looking over the top and dungeon crawling because you're role playing as yeah. that character. 
Exactly, and you could pretty much say that for most genres. Even, I mean, even a, with a platformer game, an old 2D platformer game, you could technically say that that was a role-playing game because you're playing a character. Yeah. Yes. What about you, Super? What would you say is the breakout game for like RPGs or JRPGs? I can agree with Zelda. I just looked it up, and actually Dragon Stomper on the Atari 2600 was the first actual RPG that was released. Yes, it was. But the thing that. is, the, the Atari 2600 was, like, not that... It was very special if you had one. Yeah. Because it was more like for the like the geeks to have. That and was, the NES... <laughs> I guess I'm yeah. a geek then. That was my very <laughs> first ever console. Yes. They probably but weren't the NES, wildly available. Yeah, because the, the Spectrum was, was classed as just a normal computer, cassette-loaded yes. computer. And the NES was, like, very popular in a different way. It was, like, it was cheap. It was easily to get, so it was very popular as an entertainment system to get in the late 80s. So that's why Zelda, as a game, got so much popularity because it was available. It was one of the few games to release on the NES in the early stages that it gave the audience a RPG experience. Yeah, I agree with you wholeheartedly. And to this day, I think my very first game of that type that I've ever played was Zelda. I think that was my first initial experience with one of those types of games up until then it was all platformers or puzzle games that i used to play it was never anything else so well i say it's never anything else i used to play street fighter as well but that was a bit later so my very first initial game when i started playing was things like river raid and a game called clax which was a puzzle game then that progressively moved on to <coughs> the more traditional platformers like Alex Kidd, Mario, and Sonic. But when I played Zelda for the first time, it was like nothing I'd ever played before, and it just enveloped me. Now, the next question that I've got for you both is more of an open-ended one. It could be anything from the past, anything from the future. But Vapor, we're going to start with you. I want you to tell me something that you love that you see in JRPGs all the time and something that you cannot abide and you just wish wasn't there. The first one, <coughs> excuse me, um, I would say the, the storytelling um, I absolutely love because... Um, I'm not one for traditional like Marvel movies where most of the time you're gonna get a good ending. I like to feel the feeling of dread and wonder, okay, is this is everything gonna be okay? Is because I mean, um, it's it's more dark, so you're not always sure if your characters are always gonna be okay in the end, and then you're just gonna have to accept that. I like the I like the fact that they can tell a kind of story like that. As a side question then, do you think that the length of the story will 
help to promote that because as i said earlier the stories tend to be a a lot longer so there is much more of character development within that story and more chance to sort of develop that familiarity with the characters that you're controlling oh yeah definitely i i think that um like because i know um like skyrim for example you could still get to know characters and npcs that you see throughout the 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 map or that go with you along with the story but in jrpgs since they have the party system you're and you have so many people available to invite to that party system and then you have upgrades to do stuff uh, to make their impact on you better say like somebody might grant you extra strength or whatever example um but it gives you that more one-on-one time with each character to get to know them, their backstory, um, what they're feeling, kind of understand them psychologically. So once you see them go through what they go through, you actually connect with them as if they're a real person you knew in your real life. That's yeah. the thing I like about Undertale. Like It's a Western RPG, but Undertale is built around the way you play and... The story for me in Undertale is very, like, built around the characters in the game. And I really like that because you can make a bond with, like, the characters. Because you're just, like, a pawn in the game. Mm. And you're just you. And the story's built around the, the characters in the game. And you're just somebody that helps them. And I really like that. Yeah, yeah. so it's more like example. an interactive movie than it is yes. a game that you're playing. You are literally playing the role. Exactly. You're controlling someone that is developing alongside you as a player. Yes, because in Undertale 2, like, your choices definitely impact the game. Like, I will not spoil the game, but choices do matter in Undertale. And I really enjoy that. To be fair, we're seeing a resurgence of that kind of mechanic in gaming as well. I think, uh, I can't remember the developers, what they're called, but they did it in Until Dawn. And now in the new one that they are releasing, which basically means it will periodically give you different choices. And it's a 50-50 choice. And if you choose wrong, one of the main characters is going to die, and that will impact the rest of the story. Yes. Now, for the thing I hate about RPGs, I had to think about it for a second, but I just realized, and I don't know how it is in uh, Dragon Quest. It's specifically, I'm talking from Pain, from Fire Emblem, and the Shimigami Tensei stuff. Grind. Yes. It is immenseful. Especially if you play play on higher difficulties. Even on, like, Shimigami Tensei 3 is known for it being the most difficult JRPG. Because you have to be so, uh, at a certain certain, uh, level, you always have to have certain um, party members that have certain status alignments, stuff like that. But it takes hours, if not days, of just grinding. And 
Yeah, doing the it, same battles, the same enemies over and over yep, again. Yeah, running down the same damn hallway constantly for about two hours just to get five levels up. It, it's very grindy, and it really contributes to the fact that, like you said, these games are so long, and we already yeah. established they have such long storylines, but to add on top with the grinding, I mean, that's why I have some games that I have 300 hours of, and plus. Yeah. So what about you, Super? What is some of the things when it comes to JRPGs and RPGs? What are some of the things that you absolutely adore and some things that just bug the hell out of you? The thing I endure, I like, I enjoy the most of RPGs is the, but not every RPG implements is the choice that you make matters in the end. Like yeah. in most games, you can make a choice. But it doesn't matter what choice you made because it will like end in that way. Like yeah, I like Skyrim too because you can actually choose to join like the Imperial Legion or like the Stormcloaks, and you can play a whole different storyline, chosen which faction you go. And yeah, I really enjoy that. It's like I've heard a lot of people uh, mentioning it about Skyrim as well saying when you first start the game you go to the initial you know encampments and everything yes and you can kill the npcs but if you kill certain npcs later on in the game when you have to return there yes you will need to be able to buy something from them and they will be a vendor at that point something like that and mm. instead because you've killed them they never became a vendor and then they can't sell you what you need things like that yes and like yeah. so it matters who you kill and who you don't depending on which story arc you take not like yes, um, gta <laughs> <laughs> yeah. like the fun part with like the open world rpgs which i mostly enjoy like that's the main rpg factor i really enjoy like open world rpgs yeah every playthrough that you make is different I can like I played Fallout I think like ten times and every playthrough was different, played out differently because it's so fun to story enjoy. routes. Yes, yeah. like and even like coming across things in your tenth playthrough that you didn't come after in your previous playthrough, stuff like that, and the massive lore in the games. And what about something that you hate? About Western RPGs is the is like like how can I say that? I really hate the like some games the linearity. Some games are yeah. too linear. Like it's in called an RPG, but we don't like everything is the same no matter how you play through it. I don't like that you go through a story and you cannot go to one place because it's blocked off because you're not far enough into the story. Something like that. And then if uh, you go... Yeah. yeah. And if you then continue to end the story, you need to go to the same... Go to black, back to the same place just to enter that part of the city, for example. Yeah. Stuff like that. It's too linear. What I don't like. Well, for me, what I love the most is i think it's post game content 
and JRPGs are famous for doing it. And uh, you will see it yourself in any games like Final Fantasy, even Persona and Dragon Quest. If you finish the game, you're not done. You can yes. you can finish the last boss, and nine times out of ten, you've got a level cap of ninety nine, and you will be at around sixty, maybe seventy, and you've just completed the last boss. And it goes right. You can roam around as freely as you want, and it will even give you a congratulations message on completing the game. But then you realise, yeah, there's a hidden boss on that map as well. You need to go and find that hidden boss. Oh, and you're going to have to be level 100 or level yeah. 99 before you even stand an iota of a chance. And I love that. Even with JRPGs, uh, not on JRPGs, but even with RPGs, for example, the very first time I saw it on an RPG was a survival horror game called Resident Evil. You might have heard of it. Yes. No. <laughs> the and biggest... When you get to the end, you've got the mercenaries mode, which allows you to... I believe it's to... called Biohazard. Sorry. <laughs> yeah, well... <laughs> I'm just... You can go through and just do a whole other content. On top of that, the facts, like you were saying, with certain games, you have a actual impact on the game with the, some of the choices you make, which... You wouldn't think it, but after sinking 60, 70 hours into a game and completing it, and then thinking, well, if I would have made a different choice earlier on in the game, that wouldn't have gone that way. So then that gives you that inkling to, yeah, I'm going to try it again. Yes, like you mm. want, you get like, you want to know how it will play out when you did that instead of what you did before. Yeah, the, the replayability now, is a big factor for me. Oh, exactly. Yeah, uh, when it comes to RPGs, one of the ones that did it the best was Infamous. The original Infamous, when that first came out. When he said, yeah, you can save the general public, and if you do, you'll get all your good abilities. And then it sort of gives you that inkling of, well, if I want to actually get through the game again, this time I'm going to do nothing but bad things. And then you start sacrificing them and you get all the bad abilities instead. And it just gave a whole other replayability factor to it. Now, as for the thing that I hate, I don't particularly like the grinding, so I'm with you on that, JJ. Yes. But for me especially with jrpgs thankfully you don't get it anymore that much but it's the unskippable cutscenes. the cutscenes that are about five six minutes long and you think that's not too bad it's only five or six minutes yeah but try doing that cutscene for the 10th 15th time because you Ooh, keep yes. failing the boss Ah, uh, yeah, I get that. I was about to say, yeah. how dare you? But not, I, I completely get it. <laughs> I, yes, that's yeah, the same thing with so our annoying. Western RPGs. Yes. I, I just... Just give us a skip function. <laughs> like, first time, first time that it plays, we shouldn't be able to skip it. Yes. Because it annoys me when people skip the story. I'm going, 
you've just skipped over where it's telling you where to go next and why mm. you're fighting. You're missing out. And you go, yeah, I don't care. That annoys me. But after you've seen it already, and then it forces you to watch it again and again and again, it's almost like the game's saying, ha, you failed. Now you're going to force you to sit there and watch it again. Yes, yeah, I think that's troll. the thing. Yeah. Like, the first cutscene that you get is neat. Like, you can't, you don't have to skip it. But have, like, in the second time you play the cutscene, have a skip function. Because yeah. you will just get tired and that actually throws you off the game. And, like, I won't, I don't want to see this cutscene anymore. I will play another game. So, what do we think to the addition of having an auto save? <laughs> It's hard for Shimitami Tensei games because it's all manual saves. It adds to the difficulty. Yeah, I kind of miss them, but I don't miss them at the same time. It's a weird one because when it comes to Final Fantasy, you have to get to a save point. Mm. And then that sort of changed. And now when you're going to certain areas, even on Dragon Quest, You've got the manual save that you can do at save points. But if you fail, you can auto-load the quick save, which will be at the start of the area you've just gone into. So you don't have to do it all again. But yeah, it is annoying when you spend an hour and a half trudging through a dungeon, you get up to the boss, and then the boss kicks your ass like it's nothing, and then you've got to do all that hour and a half again. The pain. Yeah. The pain. But it's a nice pain, I think you'll think. I think you'll I have, agree. I have Start exactly slapping the same. my veins, getting ready to inject it. <laughs> yeah. I think I have this exact same pain when not being able to quick travel. Just to walk, like, yeah. two hours back to the point to deliver something. Because you cannot quick travel back to the point where you came from. Well, yeah, I don't like walking through places I've already discovered. Yeah. yeah. Especially places you've been example. before. Yeah. Well, here's a question for you. What is better, linear or exploring? Exploring, by far. Because for me, I would, my initial reaction is to say, yeah, exploring. But then I'm thinking sometimes just not all the time but sometimes it's nice to have the balance between certain areas just being very linear and other areas being like full open world that you can explore the perfect between is like having a linear you can see where you need to go but you have the freedom to explore the area like you know where you need to go but the area is free to explore. That's a really good in-between. Yeah, I, I think, like, uh, I know you probably wouldn't, haven't played it, but, like, Rob with um, Persona, you you have the linear dungeon crawling, uh, stuff like that, but then in-between, when you're not dungeon crawling, you have the exploration of Tokyo, and that's where you can discover yeah. neat things and um, just, I, I, yeah, I can agree with both of you there. 
Yes. Yeah. Like Skyrim, if you need to explore a dungeon, most of that is quite linear. Yeah, yeah, definitely like Skyrim. Because they load their own levels, too. You'll walk through, like, the cave, and it's like, all right, you're going to a linear place now. Yes. Well, I kind of think it depends on the game. When... I'll give you two examples of exactly what I mean. When it comes to my favorite franchise, the game that I mention every single episode, Dead Space, is very, very linear. And you have the ability to put a laser on the floor, which will tell you which way to go. So you can go to previous areas that you've already been to. That's fine. You are allowed to do that. But it is very much you are holding on for dear life while it takes you on a fantastical horror-driven journey. Now, that's where I think being linear is something to be appreciated because if it's done correctly, it is a masterful way of telling a story. However, when it came to, I think I'd say around... Final Fantasy 11 to Final Fantasy 14. Well, not not including 14. They made it very, very linear in comparison to previous games. Now, with Final Fantasy 7, 8, and 9, there was a world map. And even though the world map wasn't huge or anything like that, it would say, right, you just left this encampment. You are now on the world map and you see your little avatar. You can go wherever you want. And obviously some areas you can't traverse yet because you haven't got any vehicle or anything. But you can go and explore and find different enemy types and stuff like that. But if you progress further on into the game, you can go even further. And I always adored that. Even the fact that you could at one point, get the ability to go under the water on the world map in Final Fantasy VII and you could actually submerge yourself like a submarine and go and explore a completely different area of the world map. That was just outstanding in my personal opinion. So, yeah, I'm kind of on the fence and I think it depends on the game and how it's implemented. Because that was always one of the things with later Final Fantasies that I never really got on with. It's one of the reasons I love Dragon Quest as well. The fact that there's a world map. There's massive open areas that you can go and explore. What do you think? I can agree with you on that. Because, yeah, plus it it depends on how they implement it. Um, cause yeah, there's gotta be the perfect balance to keep, um, people interested and, in, or even have the, the thrill of exploring. Otherwise, then it just is a, a boring game with a lot of open space and nothing interesting about it. Yeah. Unless you've got a really intense storyline and you're just along for the journey, so to speak, then yeah, linear games can be very, very tedious and boring and not very good at all the thing with linear games is like you played it once and you played it all like yeah one and done no variety yeah yeah like, i caught it can... call of duty yes. yes and this is why i think games like until dawn did a really good job because even though that was very linear 
as you said earlier, the whole fact of having multiple decisions that impact the story made that replayability just come to the forefront. So it, yeah, like I said, it's how it's set out and yes. it's how it's implemented into the game. If you're not gonna have, if it's gonna be very linear, you need so something to make people want to play again. And if you don't have that something, people are going to be a one and done and then they're going to feel conned out of a 60, 70 quid price tag. Yeah, that reminds me of Mass Effect. Like, you had choices. But yeah. for me it felt quite linear, but you had actually choices that mattered through the game that made it feel like replay play worthy and like... Like yeah, I worth totally it to play it agree. again because the choices are different. In Mass Effect, like it's linear, but the choice you make changes the game, how you progress forward. Yeah. That's now, we've talked a lot so far about JRPGs, RPGs, and the differences, and what makes a good one in our minds. But yes. there are still going to be people out there that will play nothing but COD or racing games or anything like that, and they want to see what all the fuss is about. So, Vapor, will go to you first. What advice would you give to somebody who was wanting to try a JRPG for the first time? Uh, it's hard um, because it, it's a different com commitment than playing Call of Duty constantly for hours on end. It it requires more engagement, more attention, I guess you could say. Yeah, uh, at a very distinctive slower pace. I think I, JRPGs are like a game that you've, you need to first experience RPGs, like the Western RPGs, to kind of get interest in JRPGs to play them. Mm -hmm. Like, for me, JRPGs are quite... When I first really started into gaming, like when I was 12, they really scared me off because they looked so complicated to play. I guess it would depend on what you're looking for in an RPG-style game anyways. Because uh, if you're not looking for story, then it it's best to just say, yeah, not, not, your, not your genre... Yeah, because yes, then it's just not doing the, the story or the game any justice. Yes, I'm a type of person that really, like, I play games mainly because I want to sit down and relax and enjoy the story of the game. Yeah. But still, JRPGs are quite scaring me off because you have so many options to start with. And sometimes the tutorials aren't that clear. So yeah. it's like you get a very big thing, you can do a lot, but you don't really know what to do with it. Yeah, I would agree with that. Yeah, it takes a lot of like outside of the game research and yes. it, it it's a yeah, like I said, a big commitment for a JRPG. Yes. For me personally, if I had to give any advice is I see a lot of people, and even I'm guilty of it sometimes, where you will pick up a new game and you will start playing and after 10 minutes you'll be thinking, this isn't my type of game, this isn't my type of game, and you'll turn it off. Yeah. And 
I see a lot of people doing that and they don't give what I would class as a fair shake to any new type of genre that they've not really played before. Whereas with me, when it came to playing my first JRPG in the traditional sense, it was Final Fantasy VII. And I remember playing it at a place called Eclipse Home Entertainment in Blackpool. They had computers that were out in display cases with control pads there that you could play yourself. And Steve, the owner, had put on Final Fantasy. And, yeah, they weren't the kind of place to change the game. So I just thought, right, well, I'll give it a try to see what it's like. And... After spending just over an hour playing it, I was like, this is actually really good. But for the first half an hour, I was like, I, I, I don't see what the pull is yet. I, I, I don't get it. And I think maybe that's the problem with newer players. Would you agree? Yeah. So what is your opinion on the fact of games like Final Fantasy and others just like it going to more of an action RPG kind of game from a JRPG uh, I, I mean I never played uh, Final Fantasy 7 originally when it was out or and I, I never got to play the remake but I know what you mean by um, that because I've played Final Fantasy 15 um, it's definitely different um the one thing i did like about final the game like final fantasy fan ah, it's tongue twister. <laughs> final fantasy 15 was it it had that jrpg like feel to it but yeah it was more actioned and uh open worldish than your typical dungeon crawling uh, turn-based combat yeah um, it, it had a good style to it. It, it felt um, unique in its own way because uh, it was, you know, it was more like uh, steampunkish, and um, the environment was always beautiful and amazing. Uh, so I think it's a good change, um, but I will always um, support my my uh, favorite turn-based dungeon crawling games. And um, what about you, Super? Uh- like, JRPGs are for me, like, I think Final Fantasy XV was, like, trying to get more mainstream for some reason. Yeah, it like, was. I, I, like, a friend of mine actually, like, played a lot of World of Warcraft, and he compared the Final Fantasy XV to World of Warcraft because they had very similar ideas. Like playing on a subscription based, I think, with Final Fantasy fifteen. No, that was uh, Final Fantasy fourteen. Oh, fourteen. Yeah. But still, like, it had some. Like they're trying to be more mainstream and more appealing to the, like, normal audience. Yeah. Like, and I no. don't know if that's a good thing. But I can say, like, it's good to try, and it's not like the older games just apparently disappear. Like, you can still play them. Like, mm-hmm. so now it's just so- trying to something to be something different. Like, well, now I'm going to throw open an opposites question to you both. 
Vapor, right. you are more of a JRPG fan than an RPG one. And Super, you are the exact opposite. You're more of an RPG fan, whereas not so much with the JRPGs. So, Vapor, if you could talk to Super, because you can, <laughs> and you could suggest a game, a JRPG game for him to try, which one would you suggest and what advice would you give him while playing? That's hard. Uh, I would like to say, uh, since he's spoken so much about um, the choices you make impact the story, um, the replayability, I would say, and I'm saying this to you too, Gamesta, <laughs> Final Fantasy 3, or not, God damn it, now I got it stuck in my head, Fire Emblem, Three Houses. It's a yeah. uh, newer Nintendo series, it's, um, it's, it has the replayability of several different um, playthroughs, um, Every choice you make impacts the story. You have dialogue that changes story. Um, if you kill certain characters, you see the consequences of what happened after you've killed them. Uh, if you take out characters with you and they die, you you lose them forever, and then you got to deal with those consequences. Then you got unit management and um, like weapon management. Um, you could change your main character's class from whether you want him to be a swordsman, archer, a knight. There's always that variety, and then that variety goes into every other character possible that is playable in that game, which there is around 20 to 30. So you can play one route, and oh, there's four routes, there's four stories. And you can play each route and change every single character's um class do all that and make it unique as the last time you just played it all right see the more you tell me about that game the more i want to try it but i just don't have access to a switch or anything yeah, me neither it's a big commitment because i'm 400 hours in and i know i still have other ideas that i could do okay and what about you super if you could transfer vapor onto an RPG game of your choosing, which one would you suggest he starts with and what advice would you give to him? It depends on what he's looking for. Like, I've played the typicals like uh, Fallout 4, Skyrim. I played quite a bit of the Assassin's Creed up until, uh, I want to say, Odyssey. Um, I never played Mass Effect. Mass uh, Effect is one of the greats now it's like even andromeda the latest one in the series they say that that is just it's trash it's this it's that i actually really enjoyed it i don't know about anyone else it was my very first mass effect and then i went back and played the others and yeah i can understand why people hated on it so much but i still think it is a fantastic game there's actually it, one game that I really enjoyed and is quite like underrated and like not very like it's very underlooked. And that's actually like the Bard Still. The and 3D top down 
adventure that's actually like a really like casual play and it's very like when I play it it does the game doesn't take itself very seriously and that's what I really like which one was it sorry I couldn't hear it that well Bart still the 3d you have like the original three Bart stills but you also have like an an a different one the game I'm talking about is from 2004 and I really oh. like that game because it's it doesn't take itself very seriously and there's also a song in the in the beginning that actually goes about beer and it's very very amusing <laughs> I, I could enjoy something like that I never heard of like, that before never have I really it's it's like just very very funny there's also a narrator and he like sometimes it's even breaking the fourth wall of of the games I love that kind of comedy so do yeah. I it's originally released for the Xbox and PC but I played it on my tablet when back when I was like 14 because it got released on the Play Store and iOS but I really um. like it's very just funny and you actually summon monsters using your 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 instrument and it's very like that very sounds comedian. like a euphemism <laughs> yeah, like also like you can make choices and like like you can make like per preferred choices but if you do that like the game can play out very differently and get a bad ending because and if you like not simping you can actually get a good ending something like that it's really oh. it's really funny I like that. I like aspects of that, like good ending, bad ending, best ending. Yeah, I love yeah. that kind of thing as well. Now, yeah. here's a question which is going to be controversial, and I think it's going to differ from person to person. All right. Vapor, we're going to go with you first. Which is better? A pre... <laughs> Bless you. Sorry. <laughs> Sorry. A pre-made character or character creator? Uh, character creation especially after playing the game the first time you can kind of um, create a character around the personality you think fits what goes on in the story plus it adds more to the replayability you could play as female you could play as male I'm not the kind of guy that would be like oh only, only male characters so it, I like that replayability as well, especially if they can um, implement changes in dialogue like she or he or any other pronouns, um, that sort of thing. Well, as a side, little side story, I once saw my dad and he was playing, I can't even remember what game it was, but it was a choice between a male character or a female character. And he had created a female character with big tits long blonde <laughs> hair and i remember walking into the front room seeing him playing and got dad what are you doing and you're playing a game no no i mean why have you made a character as a big blonde haired woman with big tits and he went well think about it i'm going to be playing this for quite a while who would I rather look at in front of me and on screen? 
Would I rather be looking at a man that looks like me or a beautiful woman? I never thought about it that way before. Why, but, why yeah. does it sound very much like Saints Row the Third? Oh, I freaking god! Yeah, it could have been something like that. It was a long time ago, but yeah, he, like he just brought up a good me. point to me. I'd never thought about it that way before. Yeah, yeah I make choices in like Fallout this current, actually in Fallout especially. Choosing between a female character and a male character can matter. Because yeah. females have different perks that influence women and men. Like, you have, like, the Black Widow, if you're a lady, that you actually, like, can seduce men to do stuff. And you can actually, like, if you in Vegas, you can actually, like, use that perk to cut a thing out of a main character. I'm not gonna spoil anything. That actually can give you can skip some parts that you need to be like more careful about if you're a male Something so what like that. about you then super what do you think's better a pre-made character by the developers or a character creator um i think it's like looking at like oblivion again i'm sorry it's great to have your own i want to use presets and I can change that. So I don't. If I, I just want to quickly to like start a game, I can just choose a preset and just start. Or if I want to spend my time, I can just create my character. Like, and also with so like a character creator, but with different classes. Like looking at, especially Morrowind and Oblivion again, they did it well. Like you can, they have pre-selected classes. But you, if you really want, you can completely build your own. Like, change stats, uh, change yeah. the class system if you want heavy weapons. But that takes a little bit more time. But you have pre-selected classes that actually fit more into the lore, but you're not. Like, you need to be... It's not like you need to choose beyond those, but you can also make your own from completely your own playthrough. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree with that one. So, now we are coming to the end of the podcast. All right. I've just got a couple more questions for you both. All right. Now, for me personally, when it comes to RPGs, I would say Dead Space is my favorite, of course. But when it comes to JRPGs... It would have to be Dragon Quest. There hasn't been a single spin-off that I like uh, that I haven't liked. But therein lies my question: What do you think when it comes to spin-offs of games? Super. Now we know you said that Oblivion is like absolutely amazing, but that was a spin-off of Elder Scrolls. So do you like Not really? The, the Oblivion is actually a main score of like Oblivion is called The Elder Scrolls for Oblivion like Oblivion is just the name of the four, fourth game of the Elder Scrolls series but I can definitely enjoy spin-offs if they're like executed well and they can like like if they're like given a little bit more information about the lore of the main series, it can be really fun. 
But I don't like spin-offs that just don't have completely nothing to do with the game. Or like the lore of it itself. And what about you, Vapor? Uh, are spin-offs a good thing or not? I Yeah, I can agree um, very much with that. Because, like I explained earlier, with Shimigami Tensei, even Persona is a spin-off of Shimigami Tensei. And you know how amazing that series is. So. It is, yeah. Um, yeah, as long as it can stay true to what it is, um, not change the game too much from what it was set to be um i think it could be a very good thing now for me it tends to be a little bit half and half because going with the whole jrpg vibe when it comes to final fantasy i loved the main games but they did a lot of spin-offs and i wasn't sure about them kingdom hearts was another one the main games of Kingdom Hearts were fantastic, but then you had like Kingdom Hearts 2.5 and it just wasn't the same. It just lost something for me. But on the flip side, you've got games like Dragon Quest where it's all turn-based, but you had Dragon Quest Heroes, which was a hack and slash game and it was really good i've never really enjoyed hack and slash games before but that one really captured my attention then you've got builders as well from the dragon quest series which i to this day believe is the better version of minecraft it is all blocks (laughs) what yeah it's the better version of minecraft you build rooms that you can then use to do anything from sleeping in as a bedroom. I, I to... think you mean not Minecraft. I think you mean more like The Sims. No, it's no? Dra- it's Dragon Quest exactly like it, it sounds, but it's based with blocks like uh-huh. my uh, like Minecraft. So you are able to build rooms, put a forge in it, so you can forge all your own. Uh, weapons and stuff like that but you've got to go and defeat enemies and mining different ores and stuff like that i just looked it up it looks really strange yeah it does but it's really good and it looks good it's such a fun game to play it looks for me like minecraft got a knockoff that's dragon quest themed Yeah, that's what a lot of people think. And then they play it and they think, oh my god, this is actually really, really good. And that's yeah. why it got a sequel. Because it was received really, really well. Yeah. Now, so for me, that would be the pinnacle. It'd be the Dragon Quest series and their spin-offs. Uh, how to do it correctly. Final Fantasy, their spin-offs, not so much. They've had a really good run of spin-off games but only a couple of them have been really good for example the day one which was all final fantasy themed and it was more like a kiddie version so all the playable characters and everything were like kiddified like them 
is it the K-Pops, I think they're called. Them little figurines that you can buy for different games. Uh, like Amiibos? Chibi. Yeah, like them. Chibi. But it's but instead it was them kind of characters within the Final Fantasy world and you put you well, you went around collecting the monsters that you defeated and then you could put the monsters on your head to buff yourself and have them as your squad. Oh. It was a really strange game. It was called uh, Final Fantasy Worlds, I think. It was a really strange game when it comes to Final Fantasy, but it worked. And I don't know why it worked. It just worked. And it was really fun to play. I sunk a lot of time into that. All right. So, if I was going to say, for me personally, my greatest spin-off game would be Dragon Quest Builders and Dragon Quest Builders 2. If I had to make you choose, Vapor, what would you say is the best spin-off? I wouldn't say Builders. Have you actually played Builders? No, but they seem to have done it so well. Because um, yeah, I can't think of anything I've played. I mean, because I mean, Persona is an obvious like answer for spin-off. Because it's a spin-off of Shimigami Tensei. Yeah. Would you but say like... Royal is a spin-off, or is that more of an adaptation? I think that's uh, additional content, is what it is. Because they um... sold it as like a separate game, didn't they? You've got Persona 5, and then you've oh, got Persona no, you're 5 about... Royal. You're talking about Strikers, aren't you? The hack and slash one? No, uh, the, oh. you can buy Persona 5, and now you can buy Persona 5 Royal, which has, oh. has the additional content. Oh, that yeah, that's just the additional content, but it's the uh, actual canonical um, story. Yeah, I didn't like Strikers, I, because, well, like I said, I'm not a fan of hack and slash games, but that's just me personally. Yeah, I didn't like the Striker. Actually, now I'm thinking about it, uh, Fire Emblem... Warriors Three Hopes, which is a sequel to Three Houses, but it's a Warriors game, and it's a hack and slash game, and I don't like those, but in in that game, pretty good, and it has all the like um, stuff I mentioned about Three Houses for uh, Squirrel. Yeah, and therein lies a good bit of advice for any gamers that might be listening to this. Just because you don't like a certain type of game doesn't mean every game of that type is bad. The one that springs to my mind is Curse of the Dead Gods. It's a top-down dungeon crawler. I don't really like top-down games in that vein. But when I played that, I really, really enjoyed it. There was just something about it that was really fun. Yeah, like... I had the same with like the Bard's Tale. I really don't like top-down games, but the Bard's Tale is definitely top-down. But I really enjoyed the game because how well it was executed and like just it was just a fun game. Like for so me, like what would be your number one spin-off then, Super? I don't know if you can really call it a spin-off, but it, I think it's Gary's mod, like the spin-off from Half-Life Two. Yeah. Oh, yep, yep. Like, you can classify Garry's Mod as an RPG, because most people, what they did with Garry's Mod is make their own stories, because they can just download the mod and make their own stories. That was the fun part of Garry's Mod. 
Yeah. You can completely do what you want in that game. And it's just... If you want a scary elevator simulator, you can do it in Gary's mod. Like, something like that. If you want a... If you want GTA, but in Half-Life 2 kind of setting, you can do it in Gary's mod. Stuff like that. It's I just think that's so a good choice. Fun. Yes. Yeah. Right, final question then. First, we're going to go to you, Vapor. If you could choose any JRPG or RPG from the past that you think is worthy of a remake, and not remaster, a remake, which one would you choose? Uh, I want to say Shimigami Tensei 4. I know 3 just had a remaster or remake. Um, but I think that they should remake because it, uh, Shimigami Tensei 4 was exclusively for the Nintendo DS. Yeah. So I would love for them to remake it to be more, um, console or PC compatible with actual cutscenes because it's more of um like pokemon where there's hardly any animations and dialogue it's just a person with a talk bubble uh, so i it would be like nice to see that they would do that kind of give it that uh anime love animation love yeah and what about you super like i have multiple answers i think like <laughs> i definitely want to see like the original Fallout trilogy, like, get a remake so we can actually, like, enjoy it a little bit easier. Like, Fallout 2, for example, was really hard for me to get into. As much as I enjoyed 3, New Vegas 4, it was kind of hard for me to get into because it was just so different and it played so different from the new games that I want, like... This is I want to play this, but it's not my cup of tea because I just got killed by the first Kurat, like Skiverat, in like five times now. Even though I'm just at the first at the beginning of the game for like five minutes. Yeah. Yeah. Because I just don't know how to play the game because it doesn't really taught me. And I also really, like I said, like the bard still, it's, it's very deep in my heart. And I really want to see like an, like an next gen or like next gen remake just to have better graphics and like have a better storytelling and like additional content that can actually improve the game. Like, now, I think it's really fun. For me, it's going to be... There's a lot of choices that I could choose. I'd love to see them remake the original Red Dead Redemption 2 with today's graphics. I'd love Red to Dead see Redemption, them... I hope. Not Red Dead Redemption 2, because that's just a four-year-old game. Yeah, Red, Red, Red Dead Redemption 1, not 2. Yes, yes. Oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, with oh, Red, yeah, Red Redemption so 2 graphics. Yeah, I know exactly yeah. what you mean. I agree. And not the Undead Nightmare because, let's be honest, that was just that was a shit spin-off. <laughs> the thing with Red Dead Redemption is the the thing I I just wanted to remake or remaster is because I want to play it on PC. I don't really have I don't want to buy a 
Xbox 360 or PS3 to actually just play one yeah, game. I agree. Yep. Like, and I need to find the game and I need to buy the game. It's really just time consuming to just to just play one game. And I don't want to like, I don't want to take like three weeks to play the game. Yeah. And I, I can just start mean. a game, another game and just enjoy it. Well, for my choice, I think, with that said, I think the one that I would love to see is a JRPG. I, I have mentioned it earlier, and it's got to be Dragon Quest VIII, Journey of the Ooh. Cursed King. I would love to see that remade with the scale and the graphical capacity that I have been currently playing with Dragon Quest XI. I just think it would be amazing if it was voice acted and had everything that... Like the alchemy pot. We've got the alchemy forge in in Dragon Quest Eleven, which allows you to forge new items by putting in certain materials. Whereas, I remember sinking in a lot of time into the alchemy pot on Dragon Quest Eight, which allowed you just to take any items up to three items out of your inventory and just put them together to see if they actually matched if they didn't match it would give you your items back and if they did match you could actually make something completely new and i remember vividly going through and just putting random ingredients together in the alchemy pot to see what it made, if it made anything. And it was just that whole discovery of going, oh, oh, I've made something. Mm -hmm. And then you find out it's a really good weapon. And it's really, really powerful. And you're like, yes, yes. can't believe I did that. Well, the same can be true. Like, you can have, like, merge three insane items and just get a shit weapon. Yeah. Something like that. So I used to absolutely adore stuff like that. <laughs> and yeah, that would be my obvious choice. Because it is my favourite out of the Dragon Quest series. Even though I love Dragon Quest Eleven, my favourite will still be number eight. Number eight. Ironically, my favourite Final Fantasy is number eight as well. So I've got to think about number eight. <laughs> <laughs> There's actually one JRPG I really want to play sometime. Go on. This um, Fantasy Star for the Master System. I remember it. Vividly. I really want to play that game. Ah, like, uh, I played that. It was fantastic. I think I played two. I really want to play that because I, I have a team on my 3DS that actually had a, like a music piece of that game, and it, I just really enjoyed it. All right, bonus question then, Vapor. All right. Out of upcoming releases, games that have not been released yet, JRPG or RPGs alike, which game are you looking forward to the most? Uh, shoot. Uh, I haven't thought about that. Uh, I've got two that I can tell you. Go ahead. Callisto Protocol which is a horror-based... It's meant to be the spiritual successor to Dead Space, and it's got, I think it's something like 70% of the people who worked on the original Dead Space 
working on that. If you haven't seen the trailer for it, go and check out the gameplay trailer. It is superb and it's releasing later on this year across all platforms, not just console. So I'm really looking forward to getting my teeth into that one. And another one that got delayed, but everyone has been going mental about it because it looks awesome. It's the most wishlisted game on Steam at the moment, and it's called The Day Before. I cannot wait to try that. Them are my two. Them are the picks that I am most looking forward to when it comes to JRPGs or RPGs. Uh, What about you two, then? I think I got mine. Go on. I think I got mine, too. Um... I think I want to say, uh, I know it hasn't been confirmed, but I know it's in development as Persona 6, so obviously I'm going to be interested in that. Um, as of far course. as R- <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And then um, for regular RPGs, I had one, but now I can't think of it. God damn. Uh. Go on, you have would... a think then, and Super, what are yours? <laughs> um, for me, it's actually my the upcoming game I'm I'm actually hoping most for is like just the Elder Scrolls Six, of course. But there's also... everyone's hoping for that. <laughs> yes, but there's also a different thing. It's not really a game. More, it's more so like a mod. I'm really excited for the upcoming mod called Fallout London. It's a it's a mod that completely transforms the Fallout, like it changes it shows how Fallout, it's in the Fallout 4 engine, how Fallout is in London during the time of Fallout. It's it, I really want to see it because like there's no fall tech, there's no there the standard Fallout American Fallout things aren't there because it's not America, it's like Britain. So it's so different, and I'm really excited for that mod. That sounds good, to be fair. Yes. I wouldn't mind checking that out myself, it's even though I'm not British... a fan of the Fallout games. Yes, it's a very British Fallout mod. <laughs> so yeah, Go I'm on. really excited for that one. Go on, Vapor, what was the other one? I can't remember, but another one I thought of that's technically both JRPG and RPG is uh, Breath of the Wild 2. Ooh, yes. I didn't try Breath of the Wild 1, but I always wanted to. Very beautiful game. Yeah, again, I wish that I had a Nintendo Switch in order to play games like that. It would just... Yeah, that would be amazing. Because it got a lot of decent... Pardon me. It got a lot of decent write-ups as well. I'm still hoping to play Ghost of Tsushima as well. Oh, yeah, that's a good one. Then there's other role-playing games which are more emphasis on uh, multiplayer, like Hunt Showdown. I want to give that a try at some point because that looks like an amazing game. But, yes, there we go. We've come to the end of the podcast. All All that's left for me to say is a massive thank you to you, Vapor, and you, Super, for joining me on this podcast. It's been a fascinating one, getting your views and opinions on the differences between JRPGs and RPGs and what makes them better than the other. 
so thank you for that. Yes, I was glad to be here. I really enjoyed my time here. Well, if you want to get in contact with us, tell us a story, ask us a question or anything like that, you can follow the two lines that I told you about earlier in the podcast. You can use an audio message by following the link in the description, or you can simply email me at wertgf at gmail.com. That's wertgf at gmail.com. It's as simple as that. Now, until our next episode, coming in a couple of weeks, I'm going to bid you lovely people a fond farewell. Say thank you so much for listening. I really do appreciate it. And I will see you lovely lot in the next one. Bye.